Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. This is Alice Intrigue, the Chicago Sun-Times Bears podcast, where Jason the Bears are finally number one at something. We will talk about that and much more on Alice Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, the Chicago Bears have the number one pick in the draft. They did so by successfully tanking their game against the Vikings, a 29-13 who cares sort of affair at Soldier Field. And they did so by watching the Houston Texans pull a game out of their nether regions. Pat, if you have to pick one person to build a statue for, let's say they get a Hall of Fame guy with this number one pick, who do we send the thank you card for? Lovey Smith. It's Lovey Smith. It's not It's not anybody on the field for the Bears. It's not anybody in Chicago. The Colts-Texans game was an amazing game. The, Col- the Texans were winning most of that game. The Colts took the lead late. And I, I'm assuming everyone knows the stakes in that game for the Bears. I'm not going to get into all of that right now. The Colts are up seven late. The Texans get a touchdown to pull within one. 50 seconds left, I believe it wait, was. Wait, 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 wait. You're skipping past fourth and 20, they get a touchdown. Yes. Davis Mills, fourth and 20, lofts a pass into the middle of the end zone for a touchdown. A, a desperate heave that, that somehow Colts, goes to a guy that's just wide open in the middle of the end zone. That the Colts should have batted down, but didn't, um, because what, he just whiffed on it, maybe? Anyway. So that touchdown pulls the Texans within one and Lovey Smith goes for two, and they get it. They win. The Texans win 32-31 against the Colts. That was the hard part of this equation that the Bears needed. The Bears needed to lose, and they were all over that. <laughs> they had just the guy for the job between Nathan Peterman and uh, Tim Tom Boyle. What, which is it, Tim or Tom? Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle. Boyle with a B. Uh, the, the hard part, the bigger question mark was, would the Texans beat anybody? Right. The Colts are bad, but could the Texans beat anyone? It happens. The Bears get the number one pick. They haven't had that since 1947, and that is a win-win-win situation for them. It's a win. <laughs> you just named as many wins as they've had That's in four right. months. Yes. <laughs> it's a win if they keep the pick and take somebody great. Mm-hmm. It's a win if they trade that pick. That's that would be my choice. Yep. Take someone great like defensively. I, I've screwed up my whole thing now on how it was going to be a win-win-win instead of a win-win. Look, if you, no matter what you do with that, you can't lose. Right. And everyone will want them to trade that pick, and that is the most practical, logical thing to do, is to try to parlay that into multiple picks. The Dolphins were able to get two extra first-round picks in exchange for moving down from 3 to 12 a couple of years ago. That would be a dream scenario for the Bears to get three first-round picks out of this one first-round pick. But, Pat, even if they use that pick, that is enormously helpful to them. If you draft Will Anderson, for example, and he becomes Miles Garrett, Mm -hmm. that will help. You can use that big time. That's a victory. That's a victory. Uh, The Texans on their final drive of the game, Jason, uh, had 4th and 12 at the 48 coming out, and Davis Mills rifles the ball to Brandon Cooks, who does a little toe-tap out of bounds for 30 yards. And then the big play, 4th and 20. Some guy named Jordan Aikens is standing in the end zone as Davis Mills, under pressure, just heaves one. Colts guy in front of him jumps to bat it down with with both arms. It goes through his arms. 
lands in Aiken's arms, and then Aiken's the same dude who I'd heard of literally today and never before uh, gets the two-point conversion as well. The Colts had a chance to uh, go win the game with a field goal and came up a little bit short. If you're listening to this and you're like, why is Patrick? Why are Patrick and Jason going into so many details on this Colts-Texans game? There is nothing to tell you. That was a great game. Right. And there is nothing to tell you from the Bears-Vikings game other than they lost. That's what they needed to do. And now everything is about that number one pick, Pat. Yeah, and, and the Bears will spend the next couple of months analyzing what they should do. And, and you are undoubtedly going to hear Bears fans wondering whether a quarterback would be the wise move there. I think the Bears are going to keep that in play publicly. I, they should. Before negotiating. Yeah, and I mean, the Bears... Uh, it'll be really interesting because Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are going to talk to us on Tuesday. To watch Poles show support for Fields while also at least bluffing that he might look at a quarterback. And, and He's got to finesse it. He's got to finesse it. He's got to make it look to the other 31 teams like they might take a quarterback. And, and he'll, he will take that as far as he needs to. He sure. will take trade calls on Fields probably mm-hmm. to keep that in play and to keep that in everyone's head that – For the reason, Pat, because it drives up the value of that number one pick in a trade. If everyone thinks, hey, they're going to take Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, we've got to get up there or else we're not going to get the guy we want, including maybe the Texans might feel they need to get up there. I don't know. Right. And let's be clear. I don't think they will trade Justin Fields. I don't think they should trade Justin Fields. And woe to the Bears general manager who looks at Justin Fields and goes, no, thank you, because... If they were to trade him, Justin Fields, guaranteed five-time Pro Bowler. Probably. Just the way these things go. I completely agree with you. Uh, I don't think they'll do it, and they absolutely should not do it. It would be a big mistake to do that. But I want them to reach that conclusion while going through the process that they they ordinarily would. And that is by evaluating Justin Fields as a passer, which he's still got a long way to go, by by evaluating Justin Fields' teammates, who I think let him down more often than not, this season, and also by evaluating the quarterbacks in the draft. But the fact that Fields developed at all this season, when all of your fears came true about what they put around him, the the fact that this guy has improved, considering everything that he's dealt with the last two years, consider his rookie year and what a waste that was, and then this was not a waste in terms of the organizational dysfunction that they had with Pace and Nagy in 2021, but Pat, it was a waste in the sense of no offensive line, no skill players around him, no help from a defense. So every week it's like, you know, you're throwing, you're always trailing, you're always throwing, you're always trying to see if you can get to 30 points, 35 points, or else you have no chance. The fact that he has persevered through that and shown improvement, because he has shown improvement even as a passer. The, the total production isn't there, but the efficiency is better this year than last year. And I would think that that translates to more production once you have more talent around him. Boy, I would feel a lot better about this if the last five games that he played were at all similar to the previous five games that he played. The Bears averaged half as many points in in the final five games with Fields under center as they did uh, the five before that. You would have liked to see some sort of continuous growth. And we could sit there here and draw a line between, you know, Darnell Mooney getting hurt and, you know, uh, some of the offensive line Move, movements that they had to make uh, with everybody banged up. But, you know, we could look at Khalil Herbert getting hurt even. But at the end of the day, they did they sputtered. And, and 
Had they not sputtered, maybe they would have been a little more tempted to play Justin in the finale. Maybe they would have had another win or two, so the first-round pick, or the number one overall pick, wouldn't have been at stake. They're very fortunate in hindsight that they didn't pull out some of those games when they had those close losses to like the Dolphins and the Lions at home, the Falcons, because if you go back to the big highlight of the season when they beat New England on Monday Night Football, after that game, the Bears were 3-4, and four, and they were in line to pick 14th. Right. The 10 straight losses. 14th. Repeat that for the people. 14th. 14th. It's about halfway through the season they were looking at picking 14th. Through seven games. You wouldn't be nearly as excited because that's where the Bears always pick pretty much. Right. The, the offloading of Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith, that certainly helped the free fall. Putting guys on IR that might not have gone on IR if there were still stakes in the standings here mm-hmm. helped. And... That's a pretty big jump from 14th to first in the draft for a team that was never going to go anywhere to begin with. Like, maybe they, if things went their way, maybe they would have won five or six games. That's still nothing. I mean, last year's team won six games. Right. And at least in this case, you have some big payoff because the last couple of years, the Bears were going all in sure. and finishing eight and eight, eight and eight, six and 11. It was not headed anywhere. They were, they were in fact, declining mm-hmm. defensively. The strength of their team was going down. At least this year, there is, there is a purpose to it. There, this is step one of a few toward growing into something. I think that like people are going to have a very high expectation of what step two is going to be. <laughs> and that's really where our attention goes now is to Ryan Poles. Matt Eberflus said, I'm super confident in this guy. This guy knows how to pick players. We haven't really seen him pick a lot of players. He had second-round picks uh, this past year. Those guys look good. Vales Jones in the third round was sh- not sure what to make of that at this point. Right. His big splash uh, in the trade market was Chase Claypool. Mm-hmm. That has not gone well so far. Ryan Poles is a first-time GM. There is nothing to look back at in his time with the Bears or his time with the Chiefs and say, okay, now we know, we know this guy knows how to build. We weren't keeping score during the teardown because I don't think it takes a deft hand to tear down. But it certainly takes one to to rebuild. And that is what they are starting with now. On paper, Matt Eberflus is the worst coach the Bears have ever had, on paper. Uh, On paper, Ryan Poles, yes, hit probably with uh, Jaquan Brisker. Kyler Gordon looks okay, but passed on guys like George Pickens, who would have really helped Justin Fields, might have prevented the Bears from having to go trade for for uh, for Chase Claypool, and because the Steelers drafted George Pickens, and who would you rather have, Kyler Gordon and the number thirty-three overall pick, or I'm sorry, Kyler Gordon and Chase Claypool, or the number thirty-three overall pick and George Pickens? I I think you could game out a way in which Ryan Poles could have done better in in the draft. It's going to be the number thirty-two pick. Because the Dolphins don't have a pick, so it's basically oh. a first-round pick. Yeah, yeah. Yikes. For, yeah, and that's. Well, Claypool better really be good, man. <laughs> so yeah, and, but also Pat, like this goes to the idea of evaluating players and picking players, and it, it's different going mm-hmm. fishing in free agency on these one-year contracts than say having a first-round pick or even a second or third-round pick. Right. But none of those guys that he brought in in free agency have really been difference makers. One of them got an extension, and it's Equinemius St. Brown on a super cheap one-year deal that they could cut if they decided they want to. Uh, So, yeah, for all of the snaps given to young players this season, Jason, it's not like many people took off and, you know, 
ran away with that job. Yeah, yeah. You sit. You don't sit there and say, "Hey, left tackle is solved," or "Hey, they've got a pass rusher with Dominique Robinson," or "Or Nikhil Harry turned out to be a hidden gem." Things like that. They they don't have that. Right. You're right. They don't, and and they don't. They have, you know, they have holes of their own making, and and they had. I think the way I phrased this in my story, Jason, was they benefited from the low expectations of their own making. And that was when, you know, Ryan Pulse decided to trade Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, uh, Roquan Smith, uh, when he declined to go get a receiver that mattered or go trade for one. Um, Although, you know, he didn't have a first round pick, so, you know, he was handcuffed there. Uh, Now, you know, all that dead money goes away or most of that dead money goes away. now they've got money to spend. Like, now we start, like, this is, now, the whole year has been building up to this. Mm-hmm. Now. now it starts for real. Now it starts for real. And now if they don't succeed, that's on them. That is not them taking it in the shorts for a year to get right financially. You know, Matt Eberflus can talk about culture and about the, you know, what is it, the establishing the... Championship habits. Yeah, championship habits, what a, a floor, a... a, a Foundational floor. Foundational floor. I'm not sure which uh, corporate buzzword you're looking for of his. Foundational floor. That one. Do you know why you talk about having a foundational floor, Jason? Because you can't talk about winning games. Right. Um, Starting this next season, everyone from the media to the fan base better expect more. Their internal expectations should be that. Should be. They inherited a team that anybody would have done what Ryan Poles did. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is part of what makes that part of it not particularly impressive. He did what he should do, but right. anybody would have done that. Right. Ryan, Ryan Pace might have done that if he'd had the job security of knowing he was going to be here for five more years or something like that. Ryan Pace that, might have done that a year ago if he had the job security. Right. right. That's not really the hard part. The hard part is building back up. Here to, and here it starts. With um, And there's so much to build, Pet. <laughs> there's so much missing. I mean, when we say that they have... When we go back to a couple of years ago when they're, you know, sputtering with Mitch Trubisky and we say, wow, boy, this team has everything but the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And this team has clearly a championship-level defense, not only in 2018 when they were really good, still in 2019. Right. Championship-caliber defense, hands down. Now we're in this point where we say, well, they've got the quarterback and nothing else, and you can debate how much they have at quarterback. But as far as not having everything else, that's not much of an overstatement. There, there are not just like, you don't just look across the field or across their roster. You can't look across the field because there was nobody out there today. <laughs> but if you, you can't look across their roster and, and say, okay, check, 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 check. All these 2023 starting jobs are filled because of these guys. They have two safeties. They have two corners. They have maybe an inside linebacker. And that's it. Probably on defense, right? They could replace the entire defensive line. Justin Jones, because of his contract, will probably be part of it. But... I, Play-wise, they could replace the entire defensive line. They could replace the entire linebacker core. They could replace the entire offensive line. Yep, probably, and, and maybe they should. Uh, you know, Cole Komet to me looks like an answer at tight end. Maybe not a superstar, but a pretty good player. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to see. I hope Mooney comes back the same from the ankle injury, uh, and if so, there's a place for him somewhere. Probably not as the number one or the number two on a great team, but certainly a two slash three. Um, Khalil Herbert looks okay. You got Justin Fields. What I just named? Nine guys total? Eight guys? It's not a long list. There's a lot of help wanted signs when you look at their depth chart for next season. What 
is there a is there a reason, Jason, that the attitude around here never really waned? I mean, I haven't seen anything like it covering the NFL before. But part of it is, I think it's just the rosters is filled with guys who haven't had enough success to look down their nose at anything. It has, yes, that is exactly it. And that has made it very easy for Matt Eberflus to coach in that regard. It has not been easy for him with the talent deficit going into almost every game, knowing that you're outmanned and outmanned by a lot in some cases. Uh, who knows what the score would have been today if the Vikings had played their guys. Right, and they um, played their guys for a half. Yeah. But it's pretty easy to get max effort and max hustle and max paying attention, max studying out of a bunch of guys that are fledgling. Right. A bunch yeah. of guys that are either rookies or guys on one-year contracts, a bunch of players that have no guarantee of not just being on the Bears next season, but being in the league at all next season. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many... What do you think, 30 of the 52, or of the 53, I'm sorry, come back next year? 25, 30? I mean, it's almost impossible to overhaul more than that, just in, in pure numbers game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and somebody in the press conference, I forget who it was, forgive me, but had a good question about what is the value of culture if half the guys who you've ingrained into the culture aren't going to be around? And Iberflu said, well, you onboard your new people the same way you, then there's another corporate word for you, by the way, onboard. onboard yeah. You onboard your new people the way that, you know, and their new teammates, or in their teammates who have been through this can hold them to a standard. It was David Haw and oh, that asked that question. Hall. And yeah. there, there is some, like, I can see both sides of that. There are two elements that, yes, you're teaching these quote unquote championship habits to a bunch of guys that are not going to use them here next year. Right. Uh, they're either going somewhere else or they're going to not be in the league. But... Getting buy-in from players like Jalen Johnson, Cole Komet, Eddie Jackson, those are all guys I know that have been very clear about how much they buy into this. Right. That does set the tone, Justin Fields. That does set the tone when new players come in as far as getting on board with how things are done here. Yeah, and you know, and the Bears have shown that they're going to be a, a try-hard team for kind of better and for worse. And you know, we'll see once they have talent kind of how that works. If if they end up, Jason, with a number one overall pick, you know, does that number one overall pick buy into the hits principle? If you give a guy $50 million guaranteed over the offseason, does he come in and does he have to do the hits principle like everybody else? I mean, to me, that, that will be one of the more compelling subplots. As the Bears add talent, does the attitude change? And it, it's significant if you're listening at home and you think, well, all NFL teams expect the players to play hard and work hard and uh, all these things. I have not heard of a team measuring loafs, for example, the way that the Bears do. Right. Eddie Jackson, uh, when I talked to him early in the season, said this is when, when uh, other guys have asked me, like, and I've told him we did not practice like this before. We did not go full speed max effort every single time we practiced. And Matt Eberflus cuts back his practice schedule sometimes so that at least what time they do spend on the field will be to that extent. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how does like an Akeem Hicks or Khalil Mack type player react to that when they walk in? Right. That is going to be a totally different challenge for Matt Eberflus in terms of coaching. And he, I mean, he's going to find Pat. Think about that, man. Think about the names I, I just mentioned. And not that either of those guys is an attitude problem, but think about like telling that to Akeem Hicks versus telling that to Harrison Hand. Right. Giant difference. And I even asked 
Alan Williams, their defensive coordinator this week, like when you're scouting guys, when you're scouting free agents, when you're scouting college guys, like how do you know which guys will buy in? And he essentially That's said, a great question. He said the obvious ones, you know, he said his kids could go kind of pick the obvious guys or discard the obvious guys, but that the art is kind of finding everyone else. And, you know, that's through interviews, that's through watching film. Uh, you know, I don't think the Bears are going to draft somebody who has that obvious attitude issues, probably in college. But, you know, we'll find out, we'll find out how this all meshes together because Matt Eberflus just produced the happiest 3-14 and 14 team in America. And the fact is they're 3-14 and 14 team. That doesn't count for anything if you can't then stack, you know, the culture on top of it and, and actually get wins out of it. And there's a lot of optimism. He said he was braced basically for this type of season. He like he knew what he had and he knew that they would continue right. to unload guys like Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn, it was seemed like from spring he was going to be traded. So sure. I mean that couldn't have been a surprise to him. Uh, but now the real test begins in every possible way. And, it, it, you know, all the things that we're talking about right now with Eberflus and Poles, it applies to Fields, too. Yeah. Fields has gotten some margin this year because everyone sees. There is no denying what's around him. Mm-hmm. And you see all these plays where he drops back, he's under pressure, he can't run because someone's spying, and nobody's open. That's a totally unwinnable situation for any quarterback. Sure. It's not going to be like that next year. It's going to be expected to be better. Mm-hmm. In all those ways, and he's if he's the quarterback for next season, he's going to be on the clock just like Eberflus and Poles. I'll put you on the spot uh, with one question, and, and then and then uh, I'll get us out of here. When Ryan Poles sits down on Tuesday to talk to us, what's the one? If you had truth serum, what's the one question you'd ask him? If he's so committed to Fields that it's not on the table to take a quarterback. If I knew he was going to answer that truthfully. Now, he'll finesse that. We talked about this earlier. Right. He will finesse that perfectly by showing support for Fields, but saying we always evaluate every option at every position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you what know, would yours be? I want to know what he th- – I don't know whether he – how do I phrase this? Can he win a Super Bowl with Justin Fields, the passer? That's what I want to know. And is that going to, you know, what have they seen that shows them that that can develop versus what is something that you either have it or you don't? And Justin Fields as a pure passer is questionable. Justin Fields as an athlete, as a runner, as a leader, as somebody who can change your franchise is somebody I would bet on. But at the end of the day, you, I mean, look at the quarterbacks who have been to the Super Bowl. You need to throw consistently. And I would love to know what, whether he thinks Fields can get there quickly enough. Um, I also want to know whether, when you're a GM, is that first year just a gimme year? Like, like do you just buy yourself one honeymoon year to start tearing it down? I mean, that's the, you know, you always hear that, that, that the pressure doesn't really start until year two. I mean, it was the time to do it. And like you alluded to, the time to the Bears for the Bears really to have done this might have been last year or even the year before. I think twenty twenty going into twenty twenty, you could have made the case that that was a good time to tear it down. But yeah, these guys have not been evaluated, Poles and Eberflus, the way almost every other GM and head coach in the league are. Mm-hmm. And that ended Sunday. That's it. 
They've been held against, they've been held to the low standards that they have established. Jason, we will uh, talk to the people again later this week. The Bears have locker cleanup tomorrow, or on Monday morning, and then uh, Poles and Eberflus on Tuesday morning. At some point, the Bears are going to name a new president as well. So there's plenty for us to keep an eye on in the next week or two or three. Until then, you can follow Jason and I on Twitter, uh, as well as Mark Potash. You can read all of our stuff on the Sun-Times website uh, or on the app. Or uh, if you live in the area, pick up a newspaper. That's helpful as well. He's Jason Lee, John Patrick Finley. The season is over. The Bears are 3-14, and 14, but at least they're picking first. We will be here for all of that coverage as the season goes on. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.